We're excited today to begin a brand new series of messages, the seven sayings of Christ from the cross. Each week we'll unpack these and it's a beautiful picture of the gospel of what Jesus has done for us. We don't want us just to celebrate Easter at Easter because the cross has changed our lives every day of our lives. Amen? And today we're going to address this statement that's hung on the cross today. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And how that phrase, that statement of truth impacts us today. These were the first words that Jesus spoke from the cross. And they were simply unreal, filled with grace. And the truth is this, the cross is more than an act of grace. It's more than an act of love. And it's a huge act of grace. It's a huge act of love. But the cross was a necessary payment for your sin and for my sin. Some try to diminish the fact that God is angry with our sin. Hear me out. God is angry with our sin. And the wrath of God is displayed through Christ on the cross. Had not Christ went to the cross and died for our sin, then we would be ushered into hell forever. His bloody sacrificial body is a reminder of, of God's love for us. And when you receive that kind of forgiveness and you walk away from it, it impacts you forever. A story that always surfaces in my own heart, when I was at Grace College, I worked grounds. And my boss there at the physical plant would put me in charge of a lot of freshmen. And so I would take the guys out and we would plow snow, mow grass, and we would do all kinds of things on the campus itself. In the fall of the year in Winona Lake, there are thousands and bazillion thousands of leaves that fall. And so we would go and rake them up and then we would gather them together and then we would scoop them up and we'd put them back in the back of a large dump truck. And so I was driving this dump truck along with a bunch of freshmen that were in the dump truck with me. And on our way there, the majority of us got in the front because it wasn't a very far place to go to dump these leaves so that they could form a compost pile. So as we're driving to this dump spot, we got there, everyone jumped out except for me, I lifted the, the, the dump and I dropped all the leaves in the back. On the way back, a couple of the freshmen said, hey, can we ride in the back of the truck, Jim? I said, sure, no problem. We're not far from campus. And one of my buddies was with me, Al, and he sat up front with me. And as we're leaving, the, the dirt road was along the side of this field and along the side of this field, the dirt road was there, and there were trees that overhung on the side of the road. These freshmen were in the back, and my buddy Al said, man, let's get them. I said, okay, let's do that. So we knew if we moved close enough to the fence and drive along the way, that the branches would come in the truck, and they would knock the guys in the back of the bed. Sounded like a good plan for some freshmen. So as we're driving along, the plan didn't require much thinking, and I hadn't thought ahead and considered the damage it might do to the truck. And as we're driving, the guys ducked in the back. And as I looked to my passenger side, I noticed that one of the branches took the mirror that sticks outside and curled it around and grabbed it. And as I pulled it, it turned it the other way. So we got to the lane, at the end of the lane, I pulled over the side of the road just to see the damage that was done. And so I hopped out of the dump truck, ran to the other side, and I soon realized that not only did it roll back the mirror, but it rolled the whole skin of the door completely around. I had to go to class that morning. So I was headed back to campus, but I had to face my boss. 
So I was conjuring up in my mind, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? What's he going to say? And so as I drive into campus to the physical plant, I saw my boss, Art Bushin, as he was standing there. I made sure I drove in with the driver's side door showing. That's a smart plan, isn't it? I hopped out and Art came walking over. And I wanted to say, I got to go to class. <laughs> but I said, Art, I did something really dumb. He said, what was that, Jim? I said, well, come here. So we both walked around the side of the truck, and it was a mess. The metal was rolled back. The mirror was twisted around. I'll never forget what my boss told me. He said, Jim, go on to class. I'll take care of this mess. I thought, wow. I've never received that kind of amazing grace on the job site. And as I left and went to class, a few weeks later, it was taken down to the garage where the body shop is, and this blue dump truck for about 11 years on Grace Campus had a red door. And every time you would drive on Grace Campus, it was a reminder of that act of foolishness that Jim had done. But it also reminded me every time I saw it, because it was red, the blood of Jesus Christ covers the sins of us all. There's blood that was shed on the cross for you and me. And when Christ did it for us, he said, don't worry, folks, I'll take care of that. Grab your Bibles and let's unpack this amazing journey on the cross and turn to Luke chapter 23. And in Luke chapter 23, we're going to read verses 26 to 34. I ask you to stand here in our auditoriums and those of you who are online or joining in. Would you stand as we read God's word together? Luke chapter 23, verses 26 to 34. Would you read it with me? Ready, read. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way and from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nurse. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it's dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. You may have a seat. We need forgiveness more than we realize from Jesus. And sometimes we get so separated from the Easter account that we forget these incredible words. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Yet just prior to Jesus saying that on that night, imagine him coming to the cross. His body was hanging. It was beaten and bloody. He was barely able to breathe, let alone talk. And yet the Bible records seven sayings that Jesus spoke from the cross. Three of them were prayers. One of them was a promise. One was a piece of 
family business. One was a complaint and one was a declaration. Yet just prior to this, the evening before, the days before he was betrayed by one of his disciples for money, he was arrested by Roman soldiers, he was interrogated by a high priest named Annas, he was denied by Peter, no, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him three times. He was beaten by Roman soldiers. He was questioned by Pontius Pilate. He was whipped and flogged, mocked by Roman soldiers. A crown was placed on his head. He was forced to carry his own cross, and he couldn't. And Simon of Cyrene finished it for him. He was stripped of his clothes. He was nailed to the cross. He was spit on and mocked and cursed. And the very first words out of his mouth were, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. I don't know what you might have said in that moment if you had a chance to speak after witnessing all that had happened to you and you were perfect in every way. But I doubt from a human perspective that we would say, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. What too often gets lost in the brutal scene of Calvary and the cross is that we forget it was our sin that took him there. Did you hear me? Our sin that took Jesus to the cross. It was our sin that nailed him to the cross. You and I should be the ones hanging on that cross, not Jesus. God poured out his righteous anger that he had for our sin on Jesus Christ. Yes, the cross is a picture of grace and love, but it's a picture of God's anger with our sin. And his anger was nailed through Jesus vicariously for our sin. When you love someone as Jesus does, you hate the things that destroy them. God was angry with our sin, and he needed to destroy our sin. If you love the man with pancreatic cancer, you hate the cancers that's destroying him. That's how God feels about our sin. Sin destroys everything that God made good. It destroys us. That's why God hates sin. While it was God's love that put Jesus on the cross, it is a reminder that God's wrath was satisfied and his claim against our sin is settled. Amen? That's what the cross represents. You and I had a debt that needed to be paid. There was a claim against the damage that was done. Our hearts were totaled. We were totally wrecked because of sin. Our sin damaged the relationship between us and God. And Jesus' death was the insurance policy for our brokenness. We are totaled without Christ's death on the cross. We needed a new heart because the old heart was total. The insurance policy and the claim against the vehicle was our fault. Yet Jesus stepped in with free insurance and grace and gave us a new vehicle, a new heart on the cross. Where else do you receive that kind of love? You don't, other than through Jesus Christ. Forgiveness, real forgiveness, 
always requires a price to be paid. In order for us to have the claim of our sin in our wrecked and totaled hearts to be cared for, someone had to pay that claim. There was a claim against our own fault. We wrecked our vehicle. We totaled our lives because of our sin. Jesus was the insurance and the debt. He paid the debt with his life. When Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing, that includes you and me too, by the way. Jesus paid the cost of our debt with his life. Your debt and my debt and the claim against our horrible driving of our lives has been paid for and we received a new vehicle, a new heart because of Jesus. Jesus asked his righteous father, the Lord of heaven and earth, to father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing while they were murdering him while our sins took him to the cross think about what he didn't do on the cross he never once offers one word in his own defense (laughs) he could have said I didn't wreck the car I didn't total your life It's not my fault. Why should I pay for the damage that you've done? Not once did he say, I have a perfect driving record. Why should I pay for your DUI? He doesn't condemn anyone from the cross. He could have. He could have went to the cross and said, Jim Brown, hang around for a while. Let me tell you, all that he's done, he should be here. He doesn't condemn for the acts of the soldiers or our acts. He could have. He could have said, I'm not supposed to be here. They should be on the cross. Not once did he condemn anyone. He doesn't remind them of his own innocence. He doesn't say, check the policy, perfect driver, go to God's BMV, there is no sin, no acts, no law has been broken. You got the wrong man, check your records. Never once did he say, I'm innocent. I'm perfect in every way. Not once. He doesn't snuff out his attackers, and he could have, but he took the bloody, brutal, Golgotha journey, the Via Della Rosa to the skull, to the cross, to Calvary, because we needed someone to pay our debt. He doesn't pass the blame, even though there were legit people to blame, including me and including you. Not once did he say, they did it, they did it. Father, kill them instead of me. No, he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. 
He doesn't use his sovereign power to save his own life. I mean, he's the God-man. Such incredible restraint of power was demonstrated by God and his son Jesus on the cross. Instead, he prays, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. He forgives because that's the kind of God he is. And aren't you glad? When you witness or experience that kind of forgiveness, it changes you forever. God says at the cross, Jim, I got this. Go ahead. And he nailed himself to the cross. He took the wrecked truck of my life, that red door of my life, your wrecked lives. And he says, move on. Go on to class. I got you covered. That's what he does. Your past, my past, your present, your present, my present, and your future sins. He says, I got that claim covered. Aren't you glad? Look closely once again in Luke chapter 23 and look at verse 34. And I just want you to look at these words. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what. I want you to underline the word what they are doing. The key is not the fact that they do not know. The key is what they do not know they are doing. They know what they are doing, but not what it really means. And nor do, do we. Hopefully today you will. They know what they're doing, but not who they are doing it to. And not the ramifications it carries. They're guilty of killing a man, and so are you and I. But they're guilty of so much more. They're guilty, and we are guilty because of our sins of killing the Son of God. You see, the same is true of people who have sinned against us. They need forgiveness more than they know. We have no idea how much we have truly hurt God with our sin. We don't, and nor do you. We, we have no idea how much we truly have hurt God because of our past, present, and future sins. You can say you do, but hear me. I can say I know how much I've hurt God, but we don't know how much we've hurt God. After all that God has done for us and we willfully sin and our sin beats the living life out of Jesus on the cross, you and I should be six feet under. We should be nailed to the cross. But in our place stood our Savior Jesus Christ. Do you realize that our sin separates us from God? And there needed to be something to remedy that. And it was a perfect sacrifice. And the atonement for our sin is Jesus Christ. In the same way, no one knows how much pain they have caused us with their sins directed at us. And maybe you even said that. They have no idea how much that hurts me when they did that. 
They might say they understand, and they might articulate that they've done this to me, but they have no idea how much pain I carry because of their sin. It's the same with us, with Jesus. Forgiveness is what they need, and you and I are the only ones who can offer it to them. We can forgive others because Jesus forgives us. Paul tried to articulate this. I want you to hold your hand here and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He uses a phrase that maybe you've glossed over in your Bible reading and maybe you've tried to figure out what he was saying, but it's so amazingly powerful and rich. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 10. Paul said, we, that's you and I, always carry around in our body the what of Jesus? The death of Jesus. So that the what of Jesus? The life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that his life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. You and I carry around the death of Christ in our hearts. He he took it to the cross. He died for us. But at the same time, we carry around the life because of the death. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel. So forgiveness, I would describe it this way. It's not good grammar, but you'll understand it. Forgiveness can be described this way and demonstrated in someone's life. If you don't give it out, then you don't got it. Because if you got it, you will give it. If you don't give it out, forgiveness, then you don't got it, forgiveness. Because if you got it, forgiveness, then you will give it, forgiveness. I watch people, and, and I see some people that, that, that and, and I walk away, and I, only God knows. And I think, why won't they offer forgiveness? And I thought, maybe they don't got it. Maybe Christ doesn't live in them. Because if Christ lives in us, then the death he took to the cross, and the life that he took to the cross, and his forgiveness is demonstrated in us, because we got it from him. This is so important to us because there's nothing that we can do to earn God's forgiveness. But when we have received his forgiveness, we have a responsibility to forgive others because we got it. The forgiveness we receive from God and the forgiveness we give to others, listen to me, are so tightly knit together. You can't have one without the other. And so when you get it, you got to give it. Because when you got it, you need to send it to someone else. They're so entwined together. The reason we can forgive is because God's forgiven us. You can't separate them. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verses 14 and 15, If you forgive other people when they have sinned against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you. They're so tightly knit together. Forgiveness, in my mind, is the clearest indicator that someone is a child of God. Because left to our own strength, we could never forgive others. In our own power, we could never forgive people for the things they've done to us. But because Jesus lives in us and has given us a new heart that was totally wrecked and we gave the claim of our driving record and our vehicle to God and God said I will cover the total life the total heart with a new heart by covering your debt with this free insurance policy called the grace of Jesus Christ amen When you truly understand and have grasped the forgiveness that the gospel offers and that Jesus dwells in your heart, you and I cannot not forgive others. Forgiven people forgive freely. This group of soldiers are in real need of forgiveness and they don't even know it. And Jesus freely gives it to them, and he gives it to us. The good news is this, is God's forgiveness has no expiration date attached to it. He didn't stop 2,000 years ago at the cross. He continues to forgive us. Jesus tried to describe this as best as he could It's the most beautiful parable of forgiveness that I think that's in the Bible. And I want to unpack it this morning. Turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18 and look at verse 21 and follow along with me as I read this. Matthew 18 verse 21. Look what it says in Matthew 18 verse 21. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord... How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but how many times? What's your Bible say? Seventy-seven times. Jesus said, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all he had be sold to repay the debt that he owed. It says, at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Please be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back how much? What does he say? Everything. The servant's master took pity on him and did what with the debt? What's your Bible say? canceled the debt and let him what go in other words move on I'll take care of this verse 28 but when that servant went out he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins he grabbed him and began to choke him pay back what you owe me he demanded Jesus said his fellow servant 
fell to his knees and begged him. It almost says the exact words. Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he, what? What's your Bible say? Refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, the master said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And then Jesus closes up this parable with this summary. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you what? What's the word? Forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I want to give some understanding and show you how outlandish this is. Within earshot of Jesus telling this parable were probably hundreds of people. And as they heard this, someone in the group would have said, that's crazy. Like, that doesn't even make sense. And here's why. One bag of gold during this time would represent 20 years wages. One bag. So just picture it. Just one bag, if you owed, is 20 years wages. 10,000 bags of gold would be a bazillion years wages. And so as they heard this, they would say, that's outlandish. No one could ever borrow 10 bag, 10,000 bags nor would they ever be able to repay it back because that number's astronomical. No one could ever owe that kind of money because that number is a gigantic mountain load. Yet, Jesus is saying only a huge number could represent the amount of sin and debt that you and I have. And there is no way we could ever pay back a bazillion years' wages of our sin. You see, we have a tendency to minimize our sin and our guilt. And here's how we do it. Oh, what I did was not so bad, but others have done worse. (laughs) Can we be frankly honest? We have no idea what our sin looks like to a perfect holy God. Our sin, Jesus is saying, hear me out, is astronomical. It is 10,000 bags of gold that could never be borrowed, that could never be paid back. And this master told this servant, I forgive you. In the parable, the master waved this enormous debt clean. One coin, one coin represents one day's wages during this time. After this man was forgiven, he ran into a man that had a hundred coins. One hundred coins represent a hundred days' wages. 
100 days wages, Jesus is saying those are the kind of things that we do to each other. We lie, we cheat, we neglect, we gossip. Yet that stacked next to the mountain of our debt and what we have done to God is simply a molehill compared to an astronomical mountain region. Forgive as God has forgiven you. See, we think we are better than others. That is why we often refuse to forgive. And Jesus is in this parable saying, listen, church, listen, Jim. What you've done is astronomical and there is no way you could ever earn it back to pay the debt. There is nothing you could do to work your way back. Listen to me. He says there is nothing and the only way was through Jesus on the cross. It's funny how an unwillingness to forgive someone or want justice for someone surfaces in our lives. It probably doesn't happen to you, but sometimes it happens to me when that car goes speeding by me and I'm already moving along pretty good. And I see him on the interstate. I know it's hard for you to imagine that someone passes me, but they do. And I'm on the interstate. And then in the back recesses of my sinful mind, I think this, I hope. There is Mr. Blue down the road. (laughs) Then they will get justice. You probably never thought that thought. And so secretly while I'm driving, I think, I. But when I see Mr. Blue when I'm driving, what do I think? Oh, I hope he has mercy on me. I'm such a good guy. Left to our own thinking, we're pretty sinful, aren't we? But our God says, move on, go to class. I got you covered. You see, in his covering of us, he suffered for us. Forgiveness always implies suffering. I'll say it this way. God absorbed the consequences of our sin into himself and on himself through Jesus while he suffered and died on the cross. So when Jesus went to the cross, he absorbed our pain. He took all of our sin. He took those astronomical mountains that could never be repaid, those 10,000 bags of gold that no one could even borrow. He took yours and mine and all of the world, and he absorbed them all through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. He took all that, and that included Suffering. When you forgive someone, it will hurt because you are absorbing the pain of the wrong done to you. But we never move forward in our walks with Jesus or others and live to our redemptive potential till we have been liberated by forgiveness. Let me try to visualize this for you this morning. 
in this bucket I have some water. And this water represents sins that have been done to you and to me. And so when people sin against us, we, literally us, human beings, feel the effects of that sin. We absorb the pain. And so it's overwhelming, it's heavy, it's weighty. When someone wrongs us, we suffer because of what they've done to us. And so we can choose to carry all this around and be weighted down and live below our redemptive potential and be bitter and angry and have resentment and hate. Yet the moment we choose, listen to me, the moment we choose to forgive them of their sin, we release all that pain and suffering in forgiveness and we live in freedom. Listen to me. Some of you, all of us have been hurt, are still living with resentment and you hold the key to forgiveness. You hold the key to freedom. They can't do it for you, but the moment you say, I forgive you, you walk in freedom. Amen? Jesus absorbed our pain. Jesus took our pain and he suffered for us on the cross. And he set us free. Amen? Jesus just didn't die for us. He died instead of us. When Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing, he was forgiving me and you too. Our mountain of sin took him to the cross and he absorbed the suffering of it because only he could take it all. Once we come to grips with our own sin, be quite frank, we find it much easier to forgive others. You and I have heard this probably a hundred times, but I'm going to repeat it this morning. Choosing not to forgive someone else is like drinking rat poison and waiting for the other person to die. Each day that weight of unforgiveness is destroying you, not them. Forgiveness is not a defensive mechanism based on what we deserve. It's an offensive strategy to win the battle against the own bitterness in our hearts. I have to strip myself of this poison by forgiving people. That's the central core of the gospel. Do you realize in the Old Testament, the sins of the saints had never fully been atoned for or resolved in the Old Testament. 
they had only been passed over. If there was blood on the doorframe of the door, then the, the, the death sentence would pass over them. From a perfect, blameless sheep, the, 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 the death sentence would pass over. They were just symbols of what Jesus would later do on the cross. It took a perfect man living the life we were supposed to live and dying in our place to pay the price of our wrecked hearts. In other words, all throughout the Old Testament, God forgave people's sin on credit. And the credit would be Jesus' life 2,000 years ago. Jesus' death cancels our debt. And once we begin to fully understand that statement from Jesus on the cross that he has forgiven us and how sinful we really are, we live differently and choose to walk in freedom. Let's be brutally honest with each us, ourselves today. As we near the cross, we don't have it together as much as we think we do. We are sinful people. And only by the grace and the absorbing of the sin of Christ for us on the cross, only by this can we have salvation and freedom. We could be lost forever. We should be tossed in hell. We could be separated forever. But ah, but for the words of our Savior, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. Aren't you grateful? Oh, Lord, help us to grapple with that truth today. I pray that the cross would be more than a symbol for us, but it would be a reminder of the brutal death that Jesus willingly died for us. We've all done things we wish we hadn't done. We've seen things we wish we hadn't seen. But just the thought of your amazing grace from the cross that said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing means we are forgiven, forgiven. We should have been six feet under. We could have been lost forever. Yeah, I should be in that fire of hell, but now there's a fire inside of me. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.